listening to the Work-Life Flow podcast, where we moms take the reins of our lives, explore our options, question the status quo and demand more from society. Here we come together to tell our stories and share tears of frustration as well as tears of joy. But most importantly, we come together to inspire you to create a work-life integration that works for you. So pour yourself your favorite beverage and come hang out with us. Welcome, this is podcast episode number three, Finding Work-Life Flow with Homeschooling and Entrepreneurship with Brenda Jones. My goal is for you to walk away knowing that you are the designer of your life. You will learn that defining your core values is not only necessary for letting go of mom guilt, but also makes setting appropriate boundaries easy peasy and helps free up time for the things that matter to you most. We also talk about how we manipulate ourselves into believing we're stuck and what it takes to get unstuck. So you can shift from playing whack-a-mole to holding the reins of your life through shifts in mindset. Today's guest, Brenda Jones, MA, is an international speaker and board-certified master trainer of neuroenergetics. She combines her unique expertise in behavioral psychology and her love of the subconscious mind to help entrepreneurs stop the yo-yo and end self-sabotage. By releasing their mindset blocks and activating their inner superpowers to maximize their impact and influence and manifest their kick-ass vision board lives using her belief coaching method and certification program. Brenda is a journalist for the Los Angeles Tribune and calls herself a homeschooling dance mom. So join me in welcoming Brenda Jones. Hello, Brenda. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me, Kirsten. You know, I work in work-life integration, or the way I call it is work-life flow. And I see it as a three-part system where you would define yourself, your values, and what you want out of life but you also have to work. So you also define around work what you want to do and how to fit that in your life. And then there's mm -hmm. the family part, if you have family, extended family, or your own kids and partner, for example. And so all these three parts, they work very intricately together. How have you found a way of combining or finding a work-life flow? I think for me, I love, love, love the word flow. That's actually my word for this year. And I think it was in changing the label of it. So many people talk about this work-life balance. And when you think about that picture that comes up in your head, when you say the word balance, it kind of implies things being equal. And I don't think looking at family and relationships and kids and work and entrepreneurship, I don't think equal is a thing like 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there. So when we had a speaker come into an event and he said pretty much F balance, strive for harmony. And from that point on, really that word, and now I'm really leaning into flow, trusting in that and understanding that there is an ebb and a flow to each one of those. Sometimes you may be very family focused and work is on the back burner. Sometimes work's very focused and family takes a back burner for a couple days. As long as you're flowing between them and you're finding that harmony, I think that was the biggest piece for me, was releasing this idea of balance. Yeah, I can hear that. Balance is really hard. And when you read about it, there's a lot of pushback against balance, exactly for the thing you mentioned is that the picture we have is a scale. But the way I see it too, the flow is like, I wrote a blog post about a surfer. Like when you pedal into the wave and you try to catch it, you pop up on your board. And in order to be able to stay on that wave, you actually modify your stance all the time. Yeah. 
you have to walk forward on the board or back. And this is kind of how I envisioned, and that's how I came up with the flow word, envisioning a surfer. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I also think the other thing about what you said right now is sometimes work takes the front seat and the kids are on the back burner, for example, or family or other relationships. But I think a lot of it is also creating those quality moments and really being present. Like sometimes you only have half an hour to be with your kids, but make that half an hour count. I think that's absolutely it. And I know you said the word values at the beginning. And that is like one of my core values is teaching values. Because when you know what's important to you, it's really easy to say yes or no to things. Because I think as women, I think as parents, I think as entrepreneurs, we tend to want to take on everything and not know when to say that no. And when you know what's important to you, then when opportunities come along, it's very easy to say, is this in alignment with my core values or is this not? And if it's not, it's a very simple no of this isn't in alignment with what I'm working on right now. It's not that I don't like you. It's not that I don't like your project. It's not that I don't like your opportunity. It's just not in alignment with where I am right now. And I think that's made it so much easier is knowing what's important. And like you said, that quality time You know, I saw someone post the other day and she was like, you know, I'm doing this with my business. I love this position that I'm taking. You know, I got my dream job, but it means that I'm only going to have this many of hours a day with the kids and it's, you know, homework and bath time. And I'm thinking, is that really the quality time? Can you maybe have help during those times? Because they were young enough. It was just, they were going to daycare. I'm like, can you shift the things that you do so that the time you're with them is that quality time? You're doing the routines, the reading, the play, the bonding, not kind of the chore part of parenting. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I can so relate. I know you're a homeschooling mom. And this is something that I mentioned to my clients as well. Once we started homeschooling, those, you call it chore times, those moments of getting kids ready to go to school in the morning and then getting them ready in the evening, you know, do your dinner routine and then getting them ready in the evening to go to bed early enough so they can get up the next morning again. Those are the high friction moments. Mm -hmm. And for us, once we started homeschooling, it melted away. You know, you really could enjoy your kids more because there was no rush involved. We could suddenly establish our day. So has homeschooling helped you in finding your flow? You know, I don't really know a life without it. My older daughter went to a year of preschool, and then that was the only kind of structured school environment that we had. We started homeschooling her in kindergarten. So we've only ever homeschooled, but they also do competitive dance. I have two girls. They're both competitive dancers. So as everyone else is, you know, seven hours of school a day, I have seven hours of dance a day. And so, you know, even that finding that flow for that so that we're not having that rush around. And I think homeschooling makes everything easier because, and to differentiate between what a lot of people are doing right now, which is school at home because of the current closures. And it's very different than choosing to homeschool. Having to do a school district's agenda at home is very different than choosing to educate your child at home using your own curriculum, their learning style, your schedule, your structure. And I think homeschool has definitely helped with our flow. And in that, my husband's retail pharmacy. So he doesn't have the standard weekends off. And so for us, it was, okay, family time's really important. And if they go to regular school and they dance, he's got two days a month that he would have seen his children. And I wasn't okay with that, which was another really big reason for why we, there's a lot of reasons why we homeschool. And that was one of them is having that flexibility where I can, you know, 
hey, you've got daddy today. I'm going to go in and do some work. Or, hey, let's all go to the beach today. And having that ability to do that on a Tuesday. Yeah, that's what we love about homeschooling too. And it's the flexibility. It's It doesn't take as much time as a seven, eight hour school day. And you can individualize, right? Like for my son, he's seven and he's a night owl. So he gets up between nine and 10 in the morning. So imagine him during the days he had to go to preschool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was grumpy. It was impossible. So now he can get up when he wants. He's in a better mood. We all are in a better mood. I actually get quality work time before my kids get up. So this is awesome for me. It's a win-win. And I think one of the coolest features of homeschooling is, and like you say, it's not remote schooling. It's not distance learning. It's homeschooling where you decide what you want to do and when you want to do it is that I could get to know my kids in a different way and they get to know themselves in a different way at a very early age and they can follow their interests. Like you say, you do the competitive dancing. It's just amazing the freedom it gives you. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. And I feel bad for all the people that are like, oh my gosh, I could never homeschool after what we've done. And I'm like, but this isn't homeschooling. What you guys are doing is so much more difficult. I would not be successful doing what they're doing right now. Because that does not fit our lifestyle. That does not fit my kids at all. They're night owls too. They're theater kids. They're dance kids. You know, we're at the studio until nine, 10 o'clock at night. We're getting home around 11 midnight. We're with our friends till two in the morning. And then they sleep in and we just start our day a little bit later. But we start it without that morning rush, that stress, that did you do your homework? And everybody starts the day in a bad mood. And then it's kind of that Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day concept where the day started out horrible. And because people don't know how to correct their emotional state and say, okay, that was just that moment. Let me correct and choose what state I'm going to be in the rest of the day. Most people do that. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and that's just how it's going to be type of day. And I see so many people so stressed out from the get-go and they're yelling at their kids in the morning. And then it's, well, that's why everything else went bad today. I'm like, well, That's why you allowed everything to go out bad today. You could have shifted something at some point, but a lot of people don't have that ability and releasing that piece of it. And not to say that, you know, there still isn't, hey, you guys need to wake up and get some stuff done before dance, but it's a very different have to get stuff done. If we don't get it done, okay, then we're going to do that tomorrow. And we have that ability to flow. Mm -hmm. And I think you can set expectations, right? It doesn't mean that there is no, we don't have a strict schedule, but we have a rhythm to our days and we Mm -hmm. have our expectations. Like we do a little bit of skills practice and the rest of it is basically an unschooling style, what we do. So I bring in interesting books or we do experiments and then from there we explore. And that's the other thing that I really love about homeschooling is that I get to learn so much. I can explore alongside them. And I think it's exciting. And it's exciting for them to see me still interested in what they are learning. And I think that's that important piece. Because for me, a high value was a love of learning. And I think that was why homeschool versus traditional school. Traditional school does not meet my children's style of learning and their preferences. And could they do well? Absolutely. Would they have the same love of learning? I don't know. And I'm leaning towards no. And, you know, my... My older daughter was my reader, disliked all things math. My younger daughter was my math kid, disliked all things reading. So when she was in kindergarten, we said, you know what? We can either tantrum over learning letters or we can just skip learning letters right now and focus on everything else and wait until you're ready. And as soon as she was ready, she became an avid reader, caught up all her, quote, behind 
reading skills, caught it all up in a few weeks because she wanted to, but we kept her love of learning throughout the whole thing versus you have to do this and then there's crying and tantrums and then they hate learning. I can't think of the figure offhand, but it's a really large percentage of people who once they graduate high school, never read another book. Mm -hmm. I think I saw something yesterday. It was like 50 or 80%. It was super high. I think it's closer to like the 80. It was like a high number where I went, what? Yeah, it was. It was shockingly high. The other thing I just heard you saying before was that people are having a difficult, like when they start the day in a difficult way, they can't get out of this loop because they're not necessarily aware of their emotions and how they affect their decisions and behavior. And since they're not aware, they can't really take action to correct and to maybe reframe would be a word mm -hmm. saying that this is one situation, but I'm in charge. I'm in control. I can choose how to react. Mm -hmm. Is that what you were saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when they, your emotional state, like we kind of intuitively knew as kids, never ask mom for something when she's in a bad mood. That's because your mood is a filter of all of the data that we call reality. All of this data is coming in, and then depending on what mood we're in, plus a bunch of other different filters, that determines what pieces of all of that data we see. So if I were to say, look around the room, memorize everything in the room that's black, find me everything that's black, like have a list of at least 10 things that you can tell me that's black, really focus on that right now and give you a few minutes to memorize all the things that are black, and then come in and say, great, tell me one thing that was green. And most people go, uh, because they were filtering. They were filtering for what they were looking for. So when you're in a bad mood, you filter for ways that justify that bad mood unless you know that you can choose differently. And I think so many people just don't know that that is a choice. You get to decide whether or not to let the bad hair day ruin your day. Yes, um, I'm trained in emotional intelligence. So I go into companies to do assessments, but then also to do leadership training. And I was so amazed when I was sitting in the training. I almost had a break. I, I was so emotional, <laughs> fittingly. It was just like this light bulb moment that everything that I'm doing with my kids now, letting them have emotions, acknowledging them, sitting there in those difficult emotions when it's really hard, when all you want to do is make them feel better, but not doing it, but allowing them to have and feel those emotions yeah, and being there for them and, you know, telling them, helping them to see that they have choices, that they can, you know, this is a bad emotion. You feel bad. It feels yucky, but it's going to go. And then you can do something again. Just noticing, like becoming aware of your emotion, but then also sitting in this discomfort and holding that space for the kids, it is so important. Absolutely. And then I go into companies and I have to do the same thing with adults because they have been going through life, not having had this. Yeah, I think nobody held that space for them. And if I think about my life too, I, I think I've emotions were not really a topic we talked about a lot in my home. And so this was just like, it was so striking to me in the training that what I'm naturally doing with my kids and with combined with positive parenting that this is going to set them up for success and i i hope honestly I, i really think that there should be a bigger push to bring emotional intelligence into companies because in the end we're all human and it's neuroscience i mean we can't even help it 
we can't control our emotions, but we can control how we react. And I think that's the piece that people miss. And I think, you know, so many people are taught to shove down that emotion, lock it down. And because we make ourselves feel better by just ignoring it and shoving it down, the subconscious mind like gives yourself a gold trophy of, hey, we're not feeling bad anymore. We didn't resolve anything, but hey, we're not feeling bad anymore. Here's a gold star. I did a good job. And and then it just builds and then it sits there and then it, it just builds within your body and it blocks your energy flow. And then that becomes a filter for the next time. And then there's that time where it's finally the last straw. And then all of a sudden someone explodes and everyone's like, hey, what was the big deal? It wasn't a big deal, but they don't see the other 500 things that got shoved down. They just see the one thing that triggered the final explosion and really helping, you know, adults and then also helping the kids kind of work, working on both sides. That's what I've been doing is obviously working a lot with adults, but then also my kids grew up in subconscious mind and energy and NLP and hypnotherapy. They don't know any different. And so they share it with their friends. And so I'll be at a dance studio or a dance competition and, you know, the kids are going, hey, can you do that thing with my brain? Can you help me do that thing with my mind? Hey, can you help me with? And so they're learning that. And then the parents go, hey, what is that? And how do I learn that? And then the parents are learning. And then we have this both generations making a shift simultaneously, which is really cool. And I think the same thing for you. It's a healing journey for both, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. So is this what you're focusing on with your business, the Belief Co.? I do. We focus on, um, obviously we do personal development and events like that, but a big portion is the certification training. What I got certified, not because I thought I was going to be training others, not because I thought I was going to be doing sessions, but because I wanted to fix my own junk so that I didn't mess up my kids. And that was really why I started diving into learning all of this was to just fix me so I didn't mess them up. And if I did, maybe know how to fix them. And then it kind of morphed into a lot of people wanted to know this and I wanted to keep learning it. And now I want to share it with everybody because this is how we shift the collective. This is how we shift the world as a collective whole into a higher vibration, into a better energy, into being a better place. Because you look around at everything going on right now and it's a whole lot of very hurt people who don't know how to handle it and don't even realize that's what's going on. And they just, they're lashing out each other. And then my kids look at it and go, I don't get it. Why can't adults adult? And I'm like, I, I wish I had an answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So has your journey basically, was it like that motherhood made you dive or re, how would I say that, sort of a rebirth for you? And did you change? Like, what did you do before? Was it like a change in direction? My journey was a little different. My whole life, my dream was to become a mom. And I got married a little bit later in life, started my family a little bit later. So I had to do something to, you know, bide my time until I got married and had kids. And so I was an autism interventionist. That was my thing. Behavioral psychology, applied behavioral analysis, working with ages zero to five in special ed and specializing in autism. And then when I got pregnant, I retired. And I was not ever going back to work. I was going to live my dream life of being a mom. And early on in that journey, something happened in our playgroup. And one of my friends lost her husband and father-in-law in a plane crash the weekend of both of our children's first birthdays. And so that kind of started a journey I didn't realize I, I was on. And in that, I fell into direct sales. In direct sales, there's a big piece where you're like, 
okay, the only thing really in my way is me. So how do I go fix me? And that's how I ended up at an NLP weekend. A friend had a ticket and she said, hey, come check out, you know, check out this weekend. You should come. You'll learn a lot. And I'm like, okay, sure. And somehow managed to do something I never did, which was leave my daughter. And I left her to dance competition. She was four years old and they were competing. And I went to this weekend event and it changed everything because it was one of those, I learned what I didn't know I didn't know. And then once I knew, I couldn't unknow. And that was how the language that we use, even with the best of intentions, can still be that block that messes them up 30 years later. And that's when I started going, oh, I need to learn how to not mess up my kids. I need to learn how, when I accidentally mess up my kids because I'm human, how to fix that. And so that's when I really dove into getting certified beyond just what I had learned for myself. And then that belief company kind of grew out of that. That's an amazing journey. Um, for me, it was, yeah, I was totally the opposite. I was a scientist. I came to the United States to do my postdoc. And I had my kids later too, because in the middle of my postdoc, I became pregnant. But for me, the pregnancy was like, it's messing up with my life. It's not, you know, I suddenly couldn't do mountain biking, my hobby anymore, because it was too dangerous. So I, it felt like, ah. I don't want this. It's weird. And then I had my baby and it was like, oh my goodness, it's, everything changed. And the instincts kicked in. And like you say, like you start viewing life in a different light. So yeah, for me, the journey started with motherhood, I think. But I also lost myself. My identity became totally mother and caregiver. And so It took me a lot of time to get out of this. Like I tried again with biking, for example. I tried again when my son was two years old and I couldn't because I was working in the lab uh, Monday through Friday. And so I only saw him in the morning before drop-off and in the evening for pickup and the weekends. And so if I went mountain biking, this would take three to four hours. And I had such a mom guilt because I was like, no, I don't see him during the week and now on Saturdays I take half a day off for myself so I totally missed the self-care I did it three or four times and then I couldn't anymore and then I had my second daughter later and it took me again it took me a long time to get back into taking care of myself for me it was not NLP for me it was I went through yoga teacher training which was a very cool experience and I'm not the most spiritual person but it's just During the training, you live almost like in a in a parallel universe. Like you're only surrounded by genuinely nice people who want the best for you. You know, everybody believes in the good side and everybody believes in the potential that you have. And that was amazing to see. So for me, yoga was a really big, um, it had a really big impact in my life. I love that. Well, and you mentioned the mom guilt. And it's funny, even though our journeys were, I mean, pretty polar opposite, getting lost in mommy and still having mom guilt. Like I said, I did something I never did, which was leave my daughter. I was a stay-at-home mom and still had guilt whenever I left. For just a once-a-month mom's night out, I would feel guilty. Part of why I fell into entrepreneurship was I felt less guilty if I was away from her because I was building a business versus just being away from her to do something to refuel me. Hmm. And so even though I was a stay-at-home mom, I had guilt. Like, 
for, I would go for mom's night out and be, my husband would have to like bring her. I also had some, you know, interesting anxieties about being separated from her just based on past things that had happened to other friends. I didn't want to be more than a 10 minute drive away from her or I was uncomfortable with that. What if something happened to her? What if something happened to me? What if something happened to the world? And I couldn't get like, and all of these things would cycle through my head. And I look back now and I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> Glad I found NLP and I released all that because it'd be, I wonder what I would be like as a mom now. But at the same time, that's a story I hear over and over and over is I think the mom guilt, I don't know if it's been societally told to us that it should be there, but I think whenever you're doing something, and I think it's that value system misalignment, when you don't recognize that it's all the same value system, you then judge yourself. And when you're clear on your values, you stop judging yourself through those values. When you realize that self-care is how you're a good mom or a good dad or a good parent or a good grandparent, you need that. Yeah. And I think that's the piece that we miss. Yes, you totally need that. So I told you about my three parts of the puzzle, <laughs> like the you, your work and your life, which is life for me is family, partner, relationships. How do you make it work? Do you use these three pieces to your advantage or like not to your advantage to get something out of it, but like in order to make work life flow work? You know, it helps that I'm in business with some of my best friends. And they are my family that my girls, when they're at dance, because I typically will do my work while they're dancing because they don't need me. And now because of the shutdowns, I can't even be at the studio because I used to have to be. My younger daughter wanted me on site. And so I would work in the lobby of the studio, but we can't be in the building now. And so while they're at dance, those are my work hours. And then I get to work with my best friends. And my husband may not work with me, but he trained alongside me. So I can go home and have conversations about, hey, this happened. We're looking at doing this course. What do you think about this? Hey, can you sit in and help me crew this? And so we kind of turned our work and our playtime. That's our family. Our dance teacher, our dance teachers are our family. And we go to their house and they come to ours. And I think that's really helped with that flow back and forth. And then I realized that when I need help, That's when my mother-in-law, my mom, my cousin, other people will step in for the girls. And whereas I used to feel guilty that anybody else would have to take care of them and it should be me, I realized that my girls need time with them and they need time with them that's absent of me. And so it's okay to have grandma do some lessons with them in the morning because I came into the office early and finding that flow. Or there's times where the girls come to work with me. Because we homeschool, back when we could travel, when I was doing, I would do something called the marketers cruise. And it was a bunch of internet marketers and personal development coaches. And the girls would come on the cruise. When I would go to our mastermind in Vegas, they would come out ahead of time to hang out with the other kids of people in the mastermind. And then they would go home and I would stay for the rest of the mastermind. So I've really been really lucky that I have the support system that I do because I realize not everybody has that and that I've been able to say, my girls are going to be here for this training. And if that's a problem, then I'm happy to refund your money. This is how we work. And oh, by the way, if your kid needs to be here, that's great too. And really changing our dynamic to be open so that we can have that flow back and forth. Do they want to be there the whole time? No. Can they be? Yes. Will they learn something? Absolutely. And being able to create that life 
where I can work at home, I can work here, they can come do school here, we can do school at home. We can all be working and doing school on a beach somewhere, well, when traveling's open. And being able to do that, and that took some setting up, for sure. And I think that's that piece that people struggle with, is accepting that part of the journey is a little rocky while you figure it out. It is. And it's in that rockiness that you learn some of the best things you need to learn. Absolutely. And I think also one of the things that I imagine, like when you take your kids to your work or your business travel, I mean, it's an amazing environment for them to see. It's amazing for them to see that you are, as a person, you're not only mom, you are Brenda and you have interests and you want to do this and you're investing your energy in there. I think this is very valuable learning for them. And I think it makes it, it makes it more exciting for them too. It does. And that was kind of what really pushed me. There was a combination of two things. One, I did a technique to really get an alignment between part of me wants this business and part of me just wants to be a mom and aligning those into realizing both of those were how I was the mom I wanted to be. But it was when my older daughter came home when she was about, like I think she was like six, she's pretty young, and said, mom, I don't think I want to have kids which was like a dagger to the heart. And you hold it together and you go, okay, why? You know, I would love to know. Well, because I want to have a career. And it was right there in that moment that I realized I missed a step. She was thinking that you had to do one or the other. I hadn't shown her. And if I'm going to be the role model for her that I wanted to be, I needed to go be the role model for how I wanted her to see life, that you can do both. Because I look at a lot of people who have a phenomenal family, have a phenomenal social life, and a phenomenal business all at the same time. So clearly it's doable. And I hadn't shown her that. And she thought she had to pick from the time she was really young. And that's when I went, oh, I messed up. Let me go redo that. Maybe not messed up. Maybe, you know, (laughs) maybe she got it from somewhere else too. You know, you never know. We are not their only world. (laughs) That's something that we have to keep reminding ourselves, right? At the time, it kind of was, though. She was with me all the time. Okay. Until I went into business, I didn't leave her. I did not leave her for more than two or three hours till she was two and a half. I look back and go, I was crazy. I don't know how I did that. And at the same time, that was the only thing that felt comfortable. For me, it was a little bit different. Like when I came out of this, I don't know, the first two or three years, when you're just on survival, Mm -hmm. trying to do, you know, they have a lot of needs. and, And so you're... You're just taking care of them. And I fell into this stay-at-home mom period because I'm from Austria. So the visa worked out in a way that when my postdoc was over, I could not work. I was not allowed to work. So with my daughter, I actually stayed home. But I reached that point where I was like, I want to have adult conversations. And not Mm -hmm. only at the playground, hey, what's your daughter's name or what's your son's name? You know, like I wanted to be seen as me. And so that's where my journey started of, yeah trying to find again what I wanted to do because I didn't want to go down the, the scientist route. I was burned out from university. I was very interested in the business side and leadership, explored some passions and some, you know, I tried on different things. And I think I found what I wanted. I got out of it what I wanted to find, I think. But it took some time of rediscovering myself. And like you say, with all the taking care of others, And I mean, it's the kids, it's the household, it's, you know, it's almost everything, right? Their schedules or whatever. For you, it's the dance. It takes up a lot of mental space. And so I think a lot of moms struggle 
to actually have the time and the mental space to envision and to think about what they want. And so I think this pandemic, as bad as it is, I think the upside of it is that a lot of people had to stop their autopilot and slow down and realize what is really important in life. And I think this is the biggest opportunity we have at the moment, like this window of reassessing what do I really want out of life? What do I really need in my life? And like you said, setting those boundaries of if I'm clear on my values, it's easy to set boundaries. You don't have to feel guilty about it, but also it's actually empowering, right? Because you're holding the reins of your life. I think so many people live, we talk a lot about in NLP, cause and effect. Are you at cause for your life or are you at effect in your life? And I think so many people, the predominant way to live is at effect of the things around you. And I kind of equate it to, you know, a game of whack-a-mole where, you know, you're just putting out the fires, but it just keeps popping up somewhere else instead of just eliminating the fire itself or, you know, being in some kind of cosmic pinball game where you're just being bounced around from thing to thing instead of actually saying, wait, I can make a change here. I can choose to make a change here. It may be hard, it may be scary, and probably it is going to be difficult and it may be a little scary because any change typically means you're pushing your comfort zone. And by default, it means it might be a little uncomfortable until you mm -hmm. realize you love uncomfortable because uncomfortable means something really cool is happening. And I think that was, you know, everyone says, oh, this whole reset, I had so much time and going, I had less time than ever because I didn't have the extra help. I lost my support system. I have typically a support system that helps with the kids while I'm working on different things. I'm like, it was me, myself, and I going, I have this, and I have that class to teach, and I have this that I need to record. And there's literally a dance studio in my house right now because they're dancing eight hours a day, upstairs and downstairs in two different classes, <laughs> and I'm supposed to be recording. Ah. And so many other people went, there's so many things we can eliminate. And I was like, mm, there's some things we can't eliminate. Family support. I realized how precious that was because I realized I had been taking it for granted that, okay, my mom's here. Cool. They've got the kids. They're going to clean the house. They're going to do the dishes. I can just do the work thing and, you know, no guilt here. Kids are taken care of. And then all of a sudden it was all on me and I was like, oh, there's a lot to do. <laughs> and finding that new flow with that and then, you know, going back into dance as things are opening up. And so I filtered a lot of people freaking out about, how do I do distance education? And then it was, how do we go back to school? And how do we hybrid? And really just helping people stop the freak out. Because when you're in that freak out, you know, with emotional intelligence, when you're in that, you can't see the answers that otherwise are so obvious. Yes. So for us, it was We don't have extended family here. So our support system is, for me, it was our last year we did homeschooling through a charter school and we had a two day on site program. So that was work time I could get in. Like I had to be on campus because my younger daughter was not enrolled, but she could stay in that classroom. But I had to be present. So I took my computer with me and, and I was working there. Or when they did parkour and ballet, you know, those were activities that we scheduled and I had counted on them for me working. And so for us, with the pandemic, what has changed is that my husband is working from home. And I know we are fortunate that we actually have that possibility. Yeah. But yeah, we don't have family other than ourselves here. So for me, what has changed is that I am working Saturday, Sunday, 
and Wednesday afternoons and my husband is Monday through Friday. And again, he's a little flexible because he works remotely anyways. But it is challenging because our family time where we're all together has decreased or it has to come out of either my work time chunk or my husband's. So that has been a challenge to balance for us. But what I would like to ask you, and so my idea (laughs) with the leadership training we do, for example, is you go through a series of activities and one of them is having authentic conversations. Like we said, when if you have your values, if you have your boundaries, you can have those authentic conversations even with your employer, right? Like if we are self-employed, you and I, but others don't have that luxury to actually shift their schedule around so much. But I think there is always the opportunity to ask for what you need, to ask for any support from the company. For example, my my husband's company, they started paying a little more for our extra expenses of office supplies and internet or whatever, but also flexibility in schedule. I think some people, they're afraid of asking. And so I don't know, do you have any suggestions on how they could approach the subject with their employers? I think we're so good at looking into the future and saying, what if something goes wrong? And not accepting that we don't know how it's going to end either way. So if we're going to look into the future, what if it goes right? And I think the more you can look at that, because there's that statement of the worst that can happen is everything stays the same. You're just asking a simple question. As long as you approach it from that, hey, curious if this is what I see I need, I would like support with, is that something, you know, instead of saying, hey, you guys need to, and really pointing the finger, putting it back on yourself. This is where I would like to see some help. I don't know if we have anything for this. Hey, would this be possible? Maybe you guys haven't even thought of it, but this came to me the other day. And just being open. The worst that happens is everything stays the same. But if you do nothing, you're guaranteeing that it stays the same. So what if you were to ask and you got the shift that you needed? Because it's not going to be any worse than it is right now. Unless you go into them and you're like, you guys need to do this. Then obviously, okay, you may get fired. But if you go and speak to them as human beings and, hey, I know you're under a lot of stress right now and I can only imagine, you know, everything that you have going on. What about this? And then we have a structure that we teach as far as there's so many different things about what we call conversational hypnosis, but basically being an effective communicator. But what's funny is I actually learned this from some actors who were doing redoing their reels for their keynotes. And they taught us something called the and but therefore. And it was basically a story structure. Every story has three parts. You have the setup where you're just getting the information. You have the middle where the conflict happens. And then you have the resolution. That when you phrase your communications with and but therefore... And not necessarily having to use those words, but hey, this is going on and this is going in and this is going on. And I really love this, but here's a struggle that I'm having, but here's a struggle that I'm seeing, but here's something that potentially might go wrong. So do you think we could maybe have a conversation about this? And when you do that, it de-escalates everything and it walks them through a complete story. Mm -hmm. So they're actually able to have a reaction from a completed story versus just saying, hey, here's the things that are wrong. And now you've hit those emotional triggers for them where they're already on guard. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and I always add to it that, you know, we are not the only ones that things are happening to. Like now the circumstances during the pandemic have changed, right? There are certain circumstances we can change, but others we have an influence on. And I think we forget that sometimes we are so much focused on our own story that we forget that your employer, they might be in a similar situation. You know, they might have kids running around and not knowing what time they can have hold meetings or not. I think the more we open up the communication channels and the more we realize we are all humans, the more we can connect and actually have a successful conversation. Well, and I think that's the biggest piece is we think we're separate, but we're not. We're all connected. We're all just energy. And with that, that means that we're all connected. And we are so ingrained to think that it's us, them, that there's some separation just because we see a physical separation of body to body, but energetically we're all connected and recognizing that if I'm experiencing something, odds are they're probably experiencing something. Now it may be different, but they're still going through something. And how would I want to be treated as a human? And maybe I could take that first step and I can be the one that says, Hey, I know I've been having this going on at home. How are you doing? How's it going? And how can I support you? Yes. <laughs> I wanted to add a little thing here. I think with my kids, I can be very compassionate and I can hold this space and I can approach conversations in that way better than with my husband, for example, because I think my expectations of my husband and my kids, it's different. For my kids, I don't expect them to be mature and to, you know, <laughs> to be able to have a, a conversation that is peaceful and structured in sometimes. But for my husband, I have this expectation. And so I think a lot of struggle for us sometimes when we get into conflict is because my expectations don't, you know, I wish I could go in as openly as I do with my kids. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners if they have the same issues? <laughs> so, you know, and it, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack in there. And part of it is that we have different speaking and listening styles. Some people need to be very literal and they speak very literally. Like if I say something, I expect that to happen. But if you're speaking very inferential, like even just, you know, starting this podcast, when I said to my business partner who were in an office right now, because internet's all wonky, so we're sharing an office. And I said, hey, I'm jumping on this podcast. I'm going to need you to be silent because he's over there clacking on his keyboard. And he goes, Sure. Let me run to the restroom really quick. And he comes back and he's clacking away on his keyboard. And I was like, remember that silent part? He goes, well, I'm not talking. I'm like, silent. This is not silent. This gets picked up because I was very inferential. What I needed to say was, hey, if you need to be typing for the next hour, why don't you go down to the conference room? And then he was like, oh, so even that alone of understanding the styles and then really just appreciating they have a different reality. They don't have our filters. They don't have our experiences. They don't even have our perspective visually if they're facing back. They see a completely different world, even just in what they're seeing. They see the stuff behind us, and we see the stuff behind them. And so really just stopping to say, I am 100% at cause for communication. People think that communication is this 50-50 thing. Well, I said it. They should understand it. No, I said it, and if they don't understand it, it's on me to change how I say it to make sure they understand. 
there's a presupposition, which is just a convenient belief we choose to believe in NLP that says the meaning of a communication is the response you get. So if I intended to communicate something and the response was definitely not what I saw or predicted, I communicated wrong. It's not they listened wrong. I wasn't clear in my communication because if it's on them to hear me, I can't fix that. If it's on me to change what I say or how I say it, then I can fix it. You know, and I do the same thing with my husband and, you know, having to stop and say, okay, wait, clearly something got lost here. Let's dial it back. Let's start again. This wasn't the reaction that I expected or the response I expected. Let me see if I can rephrase myself right here. And so we've gotten really good at, and it's taken practice to, oh, wait, time out, hold. (laughs) Something went wonky. (laughs) Step it back. Let's try this again. (laughs) Kind of like if you were doing a scene in a play on stage and it's rehearsals. Cut, (laughs) redo. (laughs) And we've kind of had to practice that. And part of that came from when my mom couldn't understand me as a teenager because moms don't understand their teenage girls. And so we went to a therapist so she could learn how to communicate with me. And that was the big thing I remember. Actually, the only thing I remember was that I'm allowed to call a timeout. And that's something that I teach the kids. That's something I teach our clients. That's something I teach our students, that it's okay to call a timeout because if the conversation starts going sideways, now you start filtering everything else from that point on through that emotion. Mm-hmm. You're playing a no-win situation. But if you can stop, take a break, get out of that emotion, and come back, you can continue to have a civil conversation. I love that idea of timeout. Man, I could talk to you for hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm so thankful that you could make the time to come on my podcast today and share your wisdom with our listeners. Where could my listeners connect with you? The easiest way is to go to beliefco.com and they can link out to all of our um, social media there. We're on, I'm on TikTok. I know it's a thing. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram and we are also on Facebook. But if you just go to www.beliefco.com, that should have links to all of our social there. And it's the easiest way. Thank you so much. I'm sure this was very valuable. I I enjoyed our conversation so much. I loved it. Thank I love learning about you as well. And I, I think it's interesting that you also found a kind of an energy and a healing thing to center. And I love everything about that. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Work Life Flow. As always, you can find all the links and websites mentioned in the show notes. Make sure to get your copy of the Saying No Without Guilt guide so you can make time for the things that really matter and feel great about setting boundaries at www.myworklifeflow.com. And remember, keep being brave and share your story.